Hail, Gorilla Social Workers. Welcome to another episode of the Gorilla Social Work Podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Alpha Counseling and Treatment. Alpha Counseling and Treatment is the largest and most respected provider of forensic clinical psychotherapy for justice-involved clients in the state of Utah. Please visit our ever-humble and unassuming website, utahsbesttherapy.com, and connect with us today. Our episode today is part of our Penitentiary Pundit series, and we welcome Jamie Newsom and Eric Willoughby into the studio and have a discussion with them about evidence-based practices as well as the University of Cincinnati Corrections Institute. Uh, Jamie and Eric were with us for this last week, training us in two of their curriculum as part of a million-dollar grant that we have for Weber County, targeting re-entry clients from the Weber County Jail returning to our community in Weber County. Um, excellent conversation with these two. This is this is top-notch information for anybody who's wanting to uh, think about trainings that they're going to be doing to improve their program, um, or if you're just interested in what actually works in reducing recidivism. Um, we talk a little bit about um, some how some therapists are against evidence-based practices and maybe some remedies to that to have a conversation with them. Um, excellent talk as far as uh, all the content goes. Uh, we're still working out some of the audio gremlins. There was a spot in there where, uh, for the life of me, I cannot understand why it stopped recording, but ugh, you can't always bat a thousand. So anyways, we, as always, we thank you for your lis- listenership and dedication. We could not do this without you. And like an arrow from a bow, here is episode number 36. Okay. All right. Well, hey, thank you guys uh, for your time coming here today. The, the, this noise is probably going to sound a little weird because uh, I think this is our very first podcast ever. We're in masks, right? Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, and so Jeff and I are uh, are interviewing uh, Jamie Newsom and Eric Willoughby. Did I say that right? You did, dude. Is there a there's a Netflix special on the Willoughbys, it is, right? It is on the Willoughbys. I haven't, I haven't watched it yet, but you, that is your namesake. That, and you haven't watched it? No, I'm just waiting for a special time. Especially with all your pop culture references <laughs> that you've had during this training. It's like the... <laughs> so, it might have a lot of 80s and 90s uh, Full House references. And, or, right. And throwback tunes. Yeah. I feel not so old around you. Like, <laughs> because you reference those things and I'm like, I know what he's talking about. It's a gift. It's not, it, we, we connect with our audience. Right. right. When I do that, when I do, when I make references like that... Uh, I, I did that not too long ago. I was in I was in class and I was like, guys, you will not believe this. This was like a year ago, and I said they're coming out with a Bill and Ted's three, and everybody's like, what? I'm like, you don't know who Bill and Ted are? And I was I was super disappointed. So yeah, a lot yeah exactly. A lot of people won't even know who that is. So, but um, but uh, and then we're at the uh, Weaver County Sheriff's Office recording this as well. So this will be a first for a lot of us. But um. Why don't why don't I just maybe ask you guys to introduce yourselves, where you're from, and what you do, and uh, we'll kind of start from there. We do have a return guest, so maybe you could kick us off there, Jamie. Okay, sure. I'm Jamie Newsom. I'm uh, employed at the University of Cincinnati Corrections Institute, and uh, my technical title there is research coordinator. So a lot of what I do is research-oriented stuff, um, helping design studies and research projects, applying for grants. 
um, lots of data nerd work and writing um, articles and reports and things like that. But occasionally, like this week, I get to get out in the field and hang out with folks who are doing the work on the ground, and uh, that's what I really love. So I'm excited to be here again. Yeah, right in the middle of a pandemic. Like, I know. Yeah. I'm dedicated. Right, yeah. How many of the other trainers are out and about doing their thing in other places? Maybe like five. How many six? trainers do you guys have all together? I think eight. Eight or nine. So you guys are still going pretty strong, like like most of you guys are out and about, still getting after it despite despite this COVID nonsense. We're trying, and I think trying also to do virtual options. That same model, you guys will incorporate role plays into how you intervene with offenders or justice-involved individuals to um, help them change their behavior and master new things. So we use that in our training to help you learn, but we also encourage you to use that in your work with your clients um, because it works. There's a lot of research out there that shows that we call that that social learning model, and we find that when you teach someone something new, it could be anything, it really helps to show them how to do whatever the new behavior is and then have them practice it and then give you feedback. You would give feedback to kind of help coach them along. And then um, through that process, they, they learn to acquire the new skill. So one of the things I've seen Eric do this in a training, and I think it's a really clear example of what that would look like. Um, he'll do like this airplane activity. Do you, do you care to like talk a little bit about the, how that works? The, the coaching yeah. activity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think kind of stepping back is when, when you look at um, the role plays, um, we're, we're helping the clients, the, the justice-involved individuals, create a safe environment for them to anticipate, okay, when I get out of here, um, what, what's going to be something that's going to be really difficult for, for me to manage? Is it dealing with a, a really tough family situation, dealing with friends, if it's uh, linked to substance use and things along those lines? And we, we wanted to really uh, tie it into the risk assessment say what is what do they really truly need and how can we target these areas so it it teaches them okay if there's a situation where i'm generally impulsive how do i take my emotions and, and lower them um and it just creates uh, real life scenarios for them that they can practice and if they fail at the role play in the institution that's okay because we can give them that feedback to say okay, maybe you should try it this way. So when they get out back into society, uh, we're looking at the public safety that if they can control themselves, um, it keeps them safe, it keeps our neighbors safe, it keeps us safe, it keeps their family safe, it, and all around it keeps it, everyone in a good spot. So uh, Jamie was alluding to this this airplane activity that we, we do in our continuous quality improvement training where what we end up doing is we have one person who is a... Um, a coach, one person who is a, well, first of all, it backs up as everybody builds a paper airplane. All right, so if the four of us are in a room, we're going to toss them across the room, and who whose paper airplane goes the farthest is the coach. If Jamie's basically goes to her feet or behind her, we laugh at her. And <laughs> which, then, might, which might actually happen. Yeah, which yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. And um, But she would be the one who's going to be coached. So she lacks this skill in building paper airplanes. So we take this person who's proficient in building paper airplanes, and we're going to teach her, all right, here's how you build this paper airplane. And then the, uh, the two of you would just observe and kind of take notes. So 
kind of the element of that one is teaching someone, you know, here's this new skill you can use. Um, and, you know, it's something as fun as a paper airplane, but it shows, number one, how important it is for us to have relationships to build rapport very quickly with the folks that we're working with. Um, it also looks at what are the most effective uh, ways to um, help teach people. So it's giving clear-cut instructions, modeling for them, giving them social reinforcement, some feedback along the way, encouragement. And then after Jamie gets her airplane, hopefully it goes across the room or at least it goes, you know, at least four or five feet to show you've made some progress in what you've done. So that really kind of lies in the same aspect of when we're working with the clients because so many of them are, they've been thrown away from society, let's be honest. They lock them away, throw away the key. And we train our, our facilitators in the way of how do we work with them and not against them and make them feel supported for the first time in their lives. Now, so today, one of our therapists, April, taught you how to make green bean casserole. Hey, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. I am ready. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of deducing that that's a piece of this uh, kind of the same paper airplane concept. Yeah. That, that, like, that I noticed that did get a lot of people involved in it. People were tuned in. You know, you, again, you've got, like, you're a pretty charismatic dude. Like, you're good at, I told you that earlier, you're a good teacher. And Thank you. And able to get people's attention, crack jokes. <laughs> you know, uh, like jokes within the process of April showing you how to make this casserole. But, but, uh, so I noticed that you started that out by asking, what, what did you ask? Like who has some skills? Yeah, what are, are some skilled? skills? Maybe we teach our kids. What are some skills that, uh, we possess in ourselves and, um, just kind of built on, on that one. And she, Cooking, I'm not good at. That, that was not a lie. Um, oh, that was real. <laughs> that was real. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I can. I can't. Spoiler alert. I can make pop tarts without burning them. But um, so that part was that, okay. that part was a little fabricated okay. for fan oh. fun. There, you know, we got to hook people in for that one. And say, this guy's really terrible at what he does. But yeah, so it, it was just this very basic element, and what it does is it supports when we facilitate facilitate these sessions, why each process in our sessions are so important that we introduce these key concepts and we sell, right, of what we're, this product that we're teaching. So the person on the other end of the table says, oh, I, I need to have this. I need to have this skill. And then go into that process of now I'm going to teach you the concrete steps of this. I'm going to show you first how to do this. I'm going to be an effective model. And then I'm going to practice, and yeah, I deliberately mess things up of throwing soup cans and, you know, things along those lines, but it shows the importance of, in the moment, why feedback is so important that, you know, if we don't catch those things, um, people could go down hill real fast, so same with cooking. If I don't cook this right, I'm going to ruin Thanksgiving for the family, um, but also the showing increase that motivation, helping people see their capacity and help that self-efficacy to say, you know what, I can see myself using this stuff in real life. And the purpose of that one is to transfer that to our clinicians, to the justice-involved individuals of any sessions that we're teaching them, that there's not only research behind it, but we can make things, we can make it fun. Yeah. yeah. Let's go, let's go I was ahead. just going to add, you had, you had asked about the research, and we've done a lot of research. A lot of the model is built on that social learning theory, which has been around for a long time, but there's more current research that's coming out that's showing when you're working with 
justice-involved individuals and you're trying to teach them new skills, using those role plays makes a huge difference in the mm -hmm. recidivism rates. And I think part of that is just you step back and think about how people learn things and the way that people often work with people in the justice system, it's like, well, just don't do that anymore, <laughs> right? And so, like, that's not helpful. If I'm telling you to do something that you've never done before and I tell you, like, well, just do that, mm -hmm. you're going to be like, okay, well, <laughs> like, you're not really prepared for that. So it'd be like telling your kid when they're small, like, well, just tie your shoes so you don't trip and fall. But nobody teaches their kid to tie shoes that way. And even if you're tying them for them at first, like doing that modeling piece, at some point you gotta let go of those shoestrings and have them pick them up and start doing it or they're not gonna learn it, right? And they're not gonna be able to do it if they're at school and their shoe comes untied, they're not gonna be able to reach down and tie them themselves. So they, at some point, like you've got to do that step and you've got to have people practice and try and you've gotta be there to kind of give them that feedback and help them establish that skill so that they're equipped to do it on their own. But a lot of times, in the criminal justice system, we don't do that. We just tell people, like, just do things differently in the future and assume that they're just going to be able to piece all that together when, in reality, that might not just be realistic for those folks. You know, that's, that's helpful for me to hear as, as a trainer of, of this. You know, I've, I've had an easier time getting the clients to buy in to the whole idea of a role play. You know, I'll, I'll be running a group, and, you know, it'll you know get to one of the modules where we're doing role plays, and... You know, I'm like probably the easiest thing I do is I'm I'm just willing to make an ass of myself yeah. and you know I'm and not be shy about it and you know I just I throw myself fully into it and the clients are immediately on board. But I've noticed that when it comes to uh, training staff, I don't want to like say that staff are like resistant, like no, I'm not going to do it. But you can see the skepticism or the mm -hmm. and I think a lot of it is the lack of maybe just self confidence because mm -hmm. that that's what I kind of felt yeah. when I first got trained in this. Is you know I, I sort of had my way of running groups. I felt you know fairly proficient. Didn't really have much of like a, a concrete direction like CBI like the CBI groups have enabled. But yeah, I just I just uh, I would feel myself like almost wanting to give myself an excuse to like oh, I don't know if I'll have time to get to role plays today or, or whatever it is. <laughs> and, but uh, and I, I can see some of that same hesitance in our in our staff. And I may be recognizing that I haven't done done enough to like really sell it to them and, and make them like experience it and feel it the way the way they would with like a paper airplane contest or something. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I it it's it's like one thing to like stand up there and and uh, teach a social skill or explain it like do this this and this and then a whole nother like put yourself live into a situation and actively do it and sometimes getting maybe some of the more newer inexperienced or maybe more meek staff to get into that you know like before like uh, in, in previous trainings all i'd really do is i'd point to that that bar graph of that meta-analysis that would show that you know you need risk need and responsivity <laughs> to address you know to, to get the greatest benefit mm -hmm. but that's all I had really in terms of being able to sell the the role plays on it but that yeah th this is like it adds it, it makes them feel or allows the, the therapists in training to feel uh, that oh yeah okay I get why we're doing this yeah. now and I think part of the process is a lot of times when when you have newer staff or people that have had unpleasant experiences they're thinking of the absolute worst person in the entire world, maybe they saw on TV or a movie or something like that. You know, I, I think of the guy from The Green Mile. Uh, I, I forget what Billy 
whatever his name was. The dude that stomped on the mouse. Yeah. Percy. Per. Well, well Percy. Name? Well, the, but but the inmate. Uh, I I can't think of his name. It'll come to me later on, and I'll the be Wild like, can you? Bill? Wild Bill. Yeah, oh. there it is. <laughs> I just failed on the pulp cri- trivia there, but um, but you know, I think a lot of times people think, oh, that's that's who we're dealing with, but. You know, at the end of the day, you know, when, when you're building that relationship with the, the clients and the justice-involved individuals in that group, they start to look forward to those groups. They might act like, oh, this is dumb. But at the end of the day, <laughs> if they're scheduled to go to group and group, group gets canceled, they get upset because <laughs> what else are they doing throughout the day of but maybe sitting and watching TV? So they get this interaction with us where they get reinforcement and things along those lines. But you know, as, as confidence grows in people and they say, you know what, <laughs> uh, once they start facilitating these groups and the participants are like, yeah, this, this, this applies to me. I get this. I, and once the, the participants are really bought in, groups can be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing is people are like, oh, these role plays aren't real. But if you let it be, you know, real for the participants instead of some fabricated, you know, half an hour sitcom, like, we're going to be best friends at the end. No, it's not real life, but we want to look at how can we at least reduce that risk in that moment. And, and that's, you know, some of those elements that we look at. And, you know, when we look at, you know, a lot of times we look at when they get back out into society. Well, if people are starting off in institutions, we can see if we start using these skills inside the institutions, the payoff is less conduct reports, less physical altercations. So not only are we keeping, you know, preparing them for when they get out, but we're keeping ourselves safe, safe within the institutions. Yeah, it, it's, you know what's kind of crazy to me, and this was just like a, I guess just an observation that I made, and, and I get, I, I don't know, I, I do this a lot, like I compare things to, to sports at times, mm-hmm. but so so even like it's so intuitive when it comes to something like a like a sport when you're demonstrating a skill to teach in the exact way that you guys are teaching so like i think about when i don't know if you guys knew this but jeff is a black belt in jujitsu huh. so yeah, like if you know anything about ufc that means he's a legit badass and could probably take all three of us on at the same time <laughs> but so but uh when he teaches me anything the first thing he does is show it to me. And that's like, and, and there's no, and it's not because he's like, oh, I'm going to do this CBI style. Or he, he, it never came to his mind. He just said, I'm going to first show this to you. Then I'm going to break it down really slow. And then I want you to do it really slow. And then I want, and then we'll, I'll explain every piece of what I'm doing. So 10 minutes later, we're still talking about the same move that he demonstrated in less than five seconds, yeah. you know, and we're still going through that. And I think, okay, what if we get went back to traditional ways of how therapeutic practice goes and how people learn? Like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you all about this thing, and then you go do it, and then you come back and tell me how you did that. Like, I just watched that new uh, documentary with Michael Jordan. What, what was that? The Last Dance? The Last Dance. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, okay, if I was Phil Jackson, and that was my coaching style, so I told Michael Jordan what to do, and he came into my office, and I said, go do this. And then he went and did it. And then he came back to my office and told me how, told me how it went, and that was our coaching style. So I was like... Dude, that would be the dumbest thing ever. Like, that would be the stupidest way on planet Earth to teach somebody a sports skill. So I just don't understand why in behavioral health, when we're doing something that does, it is a skill. It is a skill that we're teaching people. And even the therapists, we're teaching them a skill, or the, or the, the facilitators, rather. They can't be therapists or whatnot, but 
they're facilitating a group and we're teaching them a skill and why would we ever expect that to be the the same way like you just i'm going to tell it to you you go and do it you come back and tell me how it went and then somehow you're going to get better at it whereas i'm going to break it down for you you're going to know it piece by piece i'm going to watch you do it i'm going to give you feedback you know as you're doing this and then we're going to do it again i just don't know what the i don't know why why that's so difficult for people to grasp that that's the good way to go about it yeah, I, 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 we certainly hear the same resistance. I know you guys have started training and, and doing that on your own here, and we hear the same stuff when we train, that people are like, no, this isn't my style. I hear that a lot. This is, it might work, but it's not my style. This is not how I like to teach things. I'm like, okay, but there's loads of research that shows that it works, so it's not necessarily about, like, you going to group and having an experience that's like tailored for you as the facilitator, but you're trying to help other people. So you have to do what works for them. Not necessarily, I mean, have your style of course and build your skill set. But if you come to group with that kind of mindset that, you know, I want to do this my way, whether that's what's best for everybody in the room or not, then yeah. you're not really helping them, right? That's a, so that's a common criticism of evidence-based practice that I wanted to see your guys' opinion on is that evidence-based practice denigrates clinical expertise. Like, so, so it, my clinical expertise and my experience in this field, regardless of how long, should outweigh this evidence-based practice. And so when, when somebody says, that's not my style, you know, I guess the assumption on that end is my style is superior to that. Um, and I, and again, or at least not, equivalent. Right, or at least equivalent. And, and I'm wondering, I mean, why might that just not be the case? Or, or my, why might that be not a great way to approach therapy? Oh, man. Well, I, like lots of reasons are going through my head right now. Um, I think bottom line is change is difficult. And I think a lot of times people are looking for that silver bullet in corrections. That one intervention is going to change the entire world where much going back to your sports analogy is the more folks are practicing this stuff the the better um you know if, if we think about it this way is you know if i one of my fails of of when i was uh working at the facility is i would create a treatment plan and say hey read this paper and then write a report and give it back to me now you're you're not going to commit crimes right and all it was saying is doing book reports and you know there's nothing wrong with that self-discovery right but we're not really te it's that face-to-face -face interaction that's that's teaching them those things and again using to see where that pendulum's swinging to see that you know cognitive behavioral interventions cognitive behavioral therapy is what works and uh so yeah it, and it's you know when we're looking at that theoretical changing of that guard it's hard for some people to try new things because they've been doing same, some some of the same things over and over again not this kind of their hearts in the right place as, as mm -hmm. what jamie was alluding to unfortunately the research shows it's just not as effective long term yeah and so um, i'm super nerdy right because i'm a researcher and i would say that i wouldn't call you nerdy <laughs> <laughs> uh i would say that if somebody came to me and said, I've been doing therapy for 20 years, 30 years, and I'm telling you that my strategies work, and they're different from what you're training me in, but my strategies work, and I'm not willing to let them go, my response to that would be, like, you might be right, but let's put it to the test. If you think that, and you think that what you're doing is effective, 
that's testable. And if you are doing something effective and something that would work and something that would work better than what I'm presenting to you, then let's put it to the test and see. Because if you're right, wouldn't you want to share that with other people? Wouldn't you want to like share those strategies so other people could make the same difference that you're making? And if you're not right and it's not really working, wouldn't you want to know that? Has anybody ever taken you up on that offer? No. <laughs> of course not. No. <laughs> you know, part of the part of the issue is, like, so let, let's just give the therapist you're talking about that says, you know, that 30, 40 years, they've got it in the bag. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt and just rest on the assumption that, okay, you know what, they do, in fact, have an effective way of delivering things. Well, it's like, so, like, Mace, uh, even before the CBISO stuff, Mace, is a, he's a great facilitator, good at running groups. And the thing is, is that, like, I can't, I can do groups my way, but I can't do what Mace does. I can try mm -hmm. to copy him mm -hmm. and give, you know, like a half-hearted attempt. But, like, the, the way that specifically that, that he does groups, I'm not going to quite be able to match. But the, the, the curriculum that you guys are delivering, it's, you know, if we all follow it the way that it's taught, then we're delivering the, the effect that the research shows um, works and uh, Mace also you opened the door for me to talk about jujitsu. <laughs> uh, the I, I think that a big reason that therapists maybe are resistant to that that also is that they're not okay with sucking at it. Yeah. You know, especially if it, if they've you know over the course of a career have shaped themselves and you know into being at least proficient at their way of running groups. You know, like. Uh, starting and, and learning a whole new thing, especially where you have to like read from a manual, it, it you you feel like as a therapist. I remember I felt like I'd taken a step back skill wise, and mm -hmm. you know it, with jujitsu, it was probably six months deep into me training that I finally won a match. Just not even a match. It was just in training. Like I got my butt kicked mm -hmm. by dudes fifty, sixty pounds lighter than me, just worked like tying me in a knot in a pretzel. And it, it's kind of humiliating. And you have to have the, well, the humility to be able to say, like, okay, well, there's something to this. Obviously, you know, the evidence of jujitsu is all over the fight world. It works, absolutely. So I'm going to stick to this. I'm going to drill these things away that I was taught so I can learn it and have the, the discipline to carry it out long term. And that's the same thing with these groups. It's, okay, I am not good at this. This is uncomfortable. I don't like how it makes me come off like I'm a brand-new rookie therapist. But I'm going to stick to the script, going to follow it, going to, you know, see if I can work through this curriculum a few different times with, with, uh, with clients, and we'll see what happens. And that's, that's kind of the approach I took. And, and now I, I sing the CBI, like, you know, University of Cincinnati's praises wherever I can. It's like, oh, yeah, this works. This is way better than what I was doing before. I was okay before, but this is way better. So it, it, I think it just takes the humility to be able to be okay with not being great. Yeah, That's and awesome. I think, yeah, kind of going back on that one is, you know, you'll see in a lot of the literature, so if we're looking at risk-need responsivity, there's the other one of fidelity. So a lot of the, uh, the uh, literature we're seeing says facilitating a poorly run group does more harm than doing no group at all. So that's where, you know, when we look at the elements of, we're not just going to come train you and say, off you go. Well, some, some agencies are like that, but there's that element of coaching that comes into play of let's, you know, look at some folks who, who might be proficient in this, um, train them as coaches and get people comfortable with it because 
training fatigue happens. Um, you know, we, we've got some folks who are going to be in their fifth day of training tomorrow, and, you know, hopefully they're not going to be looking like an extra from The Walking Dead and just, you know, brain dead, but it's a lot of information. And that retention kind of, we're human, right? And, um, but, you know, sticking to that fidelity and delivering it exactly as is, it's it's that top notch. And, you know, it's the same thing like with, I'll say it like with driving, you know, we're, we train 16 year olds to drive a certain way. I think I struck a nerve, but, uh, well, I just, I, I can't, I can't believe when I was 16 that they gave me a license. Like, yeah. I just can't believe it. And I, I have a son who's seven and I'm like, Oh my, what in like, yeah, yeah in, 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 in nine years, he's going to get a license. No, that, <laughs> I'm like terrified. And, well, that's the thing, right? Is we go to driver's head, they teach us how to drive perfectly. But then we say, you get this, plastic thing that says okay get on the highway and off you go and you're the best driver ever and i think we can agree that you know if 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 it sprinkles a little bit people forget how to drive or people get comfortable people you know start taking selfies while they're driving or gotta snap the grams and all that you know hipster stuff whatever but you know we start adapting things and and we're no longer doing it the way that we were originally trained and Things happen, accidents happen, and that's the kind of the same element that we see in these groups is today we're trained on this, but if that binder goes on the shelf for, you know, four months or so, collects dust, and then you go to do it, you're going to forget those elements. So it's just that consistency. Yeah, and it, and real quick, I mean, we don't, just uh, speaking of like the, the walk, the, like the, the days of training, like, uh, how impressed are you guys with the Weber County Sheriff's Office, oh, the officers? Like of, of of everybody, I am they're so impressed yeah. with with the officers so far in all these trainings. I, yeah. I mean, obviously, I see therapists in a different light, but I just, I mean, like because this is what we do all mm-hmm. day or day, you know. Mm-hmm. But like with officers, how well they've adapted to this and their attitudes. I've just heard so many horror stories about officers' attitudes, and I just have seen the exact opposite. Like, they're there's amazing. Definitely there. something in the water here. So shout out to Weber County. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've seen people who are brand new to the job to people who've been here for a while but the the buy-in is going to be absolutely tremendous that trickle-down effect of how that's going to impact other people there's going to be some amazing things that are going to be happening based off of that it's really cool to hear um you know officers who you know i say when i worked in a facility i would work that weird shift that was like three to eleven so the first two hours of my shift was like all business, right? And then after five is like a whole different facility because most of the business staff or clinical staff left and it was just security <laughs> staff left. And so they'd be like night and day. And, um, you know, for them to come to this training with an open mind and say, like, I already see how I could use this to do my job more effectively or I'm already thinking of they. They've been super cool with us here and shared kind of some stories of folks that they work with on a day-to-day. And, like, you know, I have definitely somebody who's behind the walls here that I could sit down and do this with, and they would be – they would get something out of it. And so to, like, come to the job with that attitude, like, they don't have to do that. That's, you know, not not a requirement. But the fact that they're so motivated to come in and say – hey, I have this new tool that I could use and it might make a difference in someone's life. So if I have 10 minutes that I could spend with someone while they're here and it would make a difference, then I'm excited about that possibility. So super cool to hear that. Yeah, and and I, 
you know, and this is why this is why sometimes when you guys were talking about like Jamie, I think it's disappointing. Like when you were saying like if you if you uh, if you have the skill and you say your your stuff is good, let's put it to the test, right? Um, you know, the, the the thing is, is I think one of the criticisms too about EBP is that. It, it tends to be a cookbook approach, right? I'm mm. sure you guys have heard that before. Mm. And I mean, your guys is your guys is is this is where I've been fascinated with the officers and the therapists. Is it literally tells you say this, write this, discuss this, you know? And that's where, like Jeff was saying, people get uncomfortable. But the, uh, there's there's this thing that I learned about, um, and I think it's uh, is it I learned it from that. Uh, I listened to another podcast. It's a fallacy of authority. Do you remember? Basically, like. The replication piece is what's huge because, yeah. the, I mean, Jeff and I, we have a we have a, a mentor of ours. I think it's safe to call him a mentor, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, named Mike Hanley. He's one of the best therapists I've ever worked with, and I think he's been doing this for 30 years, 30-plus years now. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, sit, I'm telling you, I'm sitting, I sit in a group with that guy yeah. and just observe, and I'm like, Jesus, is, is my life changing too for the better? <laughs> like, I, I just hear him say things, but... It's so weird. Like if I ha- if I tried to measure what's happening there, it's so difficult. It's intangible. Like it's it's mm-hmm. it's amazing what the dude says, but he's got like these phrases and the cadence of his voice and 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 he's whole package. He sings. He's like on CDs and stuff too. So like it, it's all these things, and I'm like, dude, you can't replicate that. You cannot take that and turn that into a group. And if I tried, I'd look like an idiot. Like and our groups could not be more different. My groups compared to Mike's groups could not be more different. But you cannot. I can't replicate those things. And so I think to the degree that, that, that you guys have a standardization of doing this, like I'd say, yeah, a cookbook is a good thing. Like that's yeah, good. Yeah. And then everybody, as long as they're sticking to the cookbook, has their own personality flavor that they bring mm-hmm. to the session, which is where you make it your own. Yeah. But initially, the robotic nature of it, I think that's just par for the course. And yeah. that's not anything mm-hmm. to be uncomfortable with. Like that's a group for you too to learn yeah. from and get better at. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think you make a good point. And it's one of the things that I think is a big misconception that it has to be robotic and exactly the same. Like Jeff said, he's never going to be you and you're never going to be him. And you might have your own, you know, tricks up your sleeve, things that work really well for you. But if he tries it, it's going to be a flop. And that's just like, you're different humans. Um, and, and that's okay. It's not that like rigid so I mean if you just take a basic thing if if I give you both a recipe for making chocolate chip cookies and Jeff goes out and buys like the high-end fancy fancy chocolate and everything like all the like best ingredients in the world and you just go buy store brand and you both just stick to the recipe you're gonna end up with chocolate chip cookies and it's gonna be fine Mm -hmm. right so that's totally fine and maybe you start off with like a little wooden spoon and a little plastic bowl and that's what you're working with. And over time you, you build up and get fancier gear and equipment and you're still using that same recipe and it's still working for you. You're still getting cookies out of it and maybe, you know, they, they get a little better over time. But at the end of the day, like still a good cookie. Even if you're starting at the basics, it's fine. Um, so, I mean, there's room for, for those kinds of things that, that make it yours as long as you don't, you know, drop the 
the chocolate chips and decide to throw oats and raisins in there because then you're you're putting out something different, right? <laughs> yeah. Jeff's just thinking to himself right now, my mom would make the best chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I kind of want a, some cookies right now. <laughs> his mom's the sweetest lady on planet Earth. I always get jealous when because I, I make fun of him. It's like you're jealous, but you make fun of the kid who's like, hey, where's my mom bringing me <laughs> cookies to work and stuff? Um, so uh, just in terms of time here, before we, you know, because I know uh, you guys have stuff to do, but I, uh, Jamie, I wanted you, because Eric was kind of talking about this earlier, like it's kind of exciting to see the officers buy into this. And we're really excited too um, about the project that we're doing here. Yeah. And and I wonder um, maybe, and I, and I can weigh in on this as well, but I, um, can, can you maybe for listeners to just say, what all this trading's about, what we're trying to accomplish, and what we're what we're trying to do for Weber County specifically, um, our clients who are leaving the Weber County Jail and re-entering the, our community. Yeah. So our project is designed to work with justice-involved individuals who are struggling with uh, mental mental illness and substance use issues simultaneously. So that's a really um, prevalent issue. Folks are dealing with that across across the country for sure. Um, and there's not like a pristine model for how to work with that subgroup. And so what we've worked together to kind of put together and test out here is um, a treatment or intervention path that they can start when they're in the jail. And so it would start with a really thorough assessment in the beginning and then a detailed case plan that maps to that assessment. And then we would get them in the the right groups to work on some of the things that are tailored specifically to their needs, and then hopefully continue that as they transition back to the community so that they have really good skill set and really good tools at their disposal when they get out, but also kind of build that support system and, and make sure they can maintain that when they leave. So that's kind of the design of the project, and um, we're going to also test it through a randomized control trial. So uh, hats off to you guys for coordinating between all of these agencies and getting folks on board and, and for being, like, badasses and willing to, to put the put it to the test. Yeah, and, and, and uh, I mean, I'm always up for a challenge. That's always <laughs> that's good. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so we literally are putting it to the test. Yeah. Can you can you give a Cliff Notes explanation of what a randomized control trial is? Sure. Um, randomized control trial is sort of the gold standard. So if you were going to do a research study, that's the the design you would want to use. And with that, you would identify basically in a nutshell a group of people that would be eligible to get whatever program it is you're offering. And of those people who are eligible, you're going to randomly assign some of them to get it and some of them to not get it. And then you're gonna follow them over time and see how those two groups fare. If your intervention is working, which fingers crossed yours is going to be. It will. It will. Um, those folks who kind of go down that treatment track will have lower recidivism rates at the end compared to those who did not go down that treatment track. Okay. Excellent, so, so in other words, we're, we're comparing two people that are getting Kind of treatment as usual, and so none of these fancy dancy inter interventions. And then the people who do get those, and then comparing the light, the, their further involvement in the criminal justice system right. long term. Okay, excellent. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be part of that too. It was, uh, I, <laughs> I just look back all the way. I mean, we we're just so fortunate to have made that decision to to go out to Cincinnati back Seriously. in the. Yeah, that was that was that was really cool. Um, and speaking of which, uh, just like I guess some PR for you guys, 
for listeners, if if they want to get into something like this, I know you guys have a, a training institute, and I know obviously when the world came to an end, all that was you know pretty affected. It was like right before. Normally it's in May, yeah. We do two, yeah. one in May and one in August every year. And the cool thing is, like, pandemic shut it down, so we didn't do it. That's this the cool year. thing. That's not the cool thing, but <laughs> kind of is the cool thing. What's the good news? The good news is that because of that and our um, commitment to helping people in the field, we've converted a lot of our stuff to virtual, which has allowed us to do virtual training institutes, and we're doing those more frequently. So instead of offering, you know, 10 different things that you could sign up for any one and come to Cincinnati and do the training, every month or so we're doing a virtual training institute where there's a certain number of slots people can sign up. So it doesn't have to be your whole group. Like if just you, just one of you needed to be trained in something, or you got a new staff who just one person needed to be trained, you could just have that person sign up and do that training. And so we're able to do them more frequently and offer them to agencies who have that kind of unique need where they might just need one or two people trained instead of a whole bunch. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like going out to Cincinnati. Like <laughs> it's kind of a different, have you guys noticed the, uh, the, have you guys tried to buy alcohol since you've been here in Utah at all? It's super fun when you try. Like are, like a store or yeah. anywhere. Anywhere. Like you go well you go into a store. I like when we went to the uh to the gas station that one time that was across the street and I saw all the just right at the checkout stand I'm like, "Whoa." <laughs> it's like, it the most amazing selection of alcohol I've ever seen cuz everything here you have to go to a liquor store. Okay. Yeah, you can buy like beer which I think just recently they made it actual beer. It wasn't like they finally stepped up. Yeah, the water stuff, the breweries are like, "We ain't making that nonsense anymore." So <laughs> um but it so both options and in person and virtual then yeah okay well no 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 we're not doing the in-person institutes right now okay just the virtual yeah so those are an option and we're doing probably one a month yeah, something like one, that one a month. that's way more frequent then yeah but they're not like the full you don't get like the full menu of training options mm-hmm. just one of our staff members might do one curriculum training virtually per month and so however many people it might be you know but roundabout one way or another you're going to find a month that's going to fit your yeah what you need so if if somebody is otherwise interested in that where do they go what do they need to do to get set up with you guys maybe not you guys specifically but with ucci to um, uc.edu uh, backslash corrections and right there on our page you're going to be able to navigate and see what's being offered and there's there's contact information that you could can reach out to us and they'll they'll direct you to the right person you weren't comfortable giving you your home address right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah don't do know. that <laughs> but uh and obviously just if they googled ucci correction yeah. or UC, uc corrections, corrections institute, institute they'll okay. find us and we're also on all the social medias um i'm not a social media <laughs> user really so i don't know what they are but mm-hmm. We're also on social media. There you go. Yeah. So. I just, I can't emphasize uh, enough um, that I just, you know, if, if you're a, a budding therapist getting into the field and you need to learn a skill, and particularly like if you've chosen to work with Justice Evolved clients, I, I just can't think of a of a better institution that, that puts this forward. I told, I, I said, when I introduced them yesterday or the first day, I was saying they're like, 
like a Tony Robbins seminar. <laughs> <laughs> <But> yeah, <laughs> and Eric's exceeded that now. So yeah, that's yeah. good. With kind yeah. of a hint of Sesame Street. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. But uh, but no, I I mean I I have always been really impressed, and I and I think I mean I thank you guys for helping me become a better therapist for sure. Oh, that's a and huge it, compliment. Yeah, thank I really you. appreciate it. I I for sure attribute a lot of the, my growth clinically to to the things that you guys have taught me. So I really appreciate that. So, anything you want to say before we wrap it up? I just echo what what you're saying. I, I'm I'm your uh, biggest salesman here in Utah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, appreciate you guys coming out and yeah. also taking time to do this podcast with us. Well, thank you well, for having us. Yeah. yeah, we love working with you guys, and really proud to partner with such great skilled therapists and people who are so committed to doing evidence-based practices and doing it well and making a difference. And I know you guys are really doing that work throughout Utah and otherwise, right? You're expanding. So um, we're excited to see what you guys do next and always thrilled to partner with you. Cool, cool. Do you guys have to give a shout out to anybody before we wrap up? I mean, I guess we could give a shout out to all our coworkers at UCCI who yeah. are also a big part of the team. We couldn't do all of this without them. And I'm um, going to give a shout out to my husband, Tony, because he's a fan of your podcast. Tony! <laughs> Um, Shall we get to... your friends to subscribe, bro? Five stars. <laughs> if you're gonna give us one, just just go away. Five, five only. I'll shout out to my mom and my cat. What? Why not? <laughs> go awesome. That's his name. Well, there you go. So, right. Awesome. No shocker, right? My yeah. cat's name would be awesome. There you go. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, hey, thank you guys so much. Okay, and thanks that's a wrap. And thanks for listening to the Gorilla Social Work Podcast with your hosts Jeff Moore and Mace Warren. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into all things related to forensic psychotherapy. As always, you can head over to utahsbesttherapy.com to check out our program and check out all the links and resources in the show notes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, and wherever you prefer to get your listener fix. Please share this episode with your family and friends, and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating, which really helps us out. You guys are awesome. We'd like to stay in chat longer. But we're lying. Good night.